Good morning. It is seven minutes after nine o'clock. Glad to have you with us. Brian Hansen is engineering, pushing the button, making things happen. Jennifer Bukowski is going to be with us. I'll tell you what's on her mind. But first, uh, a response to a listener who uh, sent me a message and a link to a story. Uh, it says, uh, she says, I quit my job so I can listen to your show. My boss will be calling you. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I can handle him. I know who your boss is. It's no big deal. Uh, all right. And you know what? In fact, uh, I would suggest that you insist that he continue to pay you, even though you're not working. I mean, if it works for Democrats, it should work for you. Jennifer Bukowski, she's going to talk about Alabama lawmakers, uh, their race to shield IVF services in wake of the state Supreme Court ruling. Uh, Georgia student allegedly murdered by an illegal immigrant. I got a lot to say about that, and I'll, I'll, I'll probably get to it when uh, Jennifer is on the program. And uh, Biden in his uh, softball, I would have to argue, uh, interview uh, with Seth Myers. Uh, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Also, Fanny uh, Willis uh, and uh, her boyfriend's attorney going to have to testify. Oh, this gets good. Uh, but before we do anything else, I want to start with the, the uh, I, I would argue, uh, a great Ronald Reagan uh, a bit of audio. Uh, Reagan, of course, was chastised because of his age. They, uh, they said he was too old to run. He was too old to be president. Uh, but, uh, you know, he spoke so eloquently for a guy who was his age. Uh, so I thought I would take an, an old uh, Reagan quote. Uh, at least I thought it was uh, Reagan. Let me uh, let me just listen in. Brian, uh, give it a listen here. Okay. You know, uh, stand here in front of this portrait, the man behind me here. He, uh, he said, and I want to make sure I get the quote exactly right. He said... The better angel, he said, we must address the council and address the better angels of our nature. And we do and we do well to remember what else he said. He said, we're not enemies, but we're friends. It's the middle of it's in the, in the part of the Civil War. Uh, was I, I can't tell. They're, they're so much alike. So close, you know. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sitting here struggling on trying to figure out which one is which. Uh, yeah, he's... <laughs> He's so eloquent, uh, but no, no, no problem with his age. Yeah, Reagan, of course. Uh, we, we, he was just, you know, oh, you're too old. You just shouldn't be. Unbelievable. Uh, got a couple of stories here that I want to kick the program off with that I found uh, entertaining. One of them, uh, actually, Brian uh, found and sent to me. Apparently, the Democrats have a plan to block Donald Trump. If he wins in 2024, <laughs> it just seemed like such a familiar sound it to does, us, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, they are purportedly conspiring to block Donald Trump from the White House if the Supreme Court doesn't rule him constitutionally ineligible. And, of course, the Supreme Court will do just that. The Atlantic published an article explaining how Democrats could disqualify Trump if the Supreme Court doesn't. The plan, if the Supreme Court doesn't give clear guidance, uh, in other words, the outcome the Democrats want, uh, according to The Atlantic, uh, then uh, House Democrats suggest they might not certify a Trump win on January 6th. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> the Democrats? You can't make it up. No. 
uh, some Democrats might do exactly what they claim Trump tried to do, and that's block the certification of a presidential election. Well, Gary, Gary, you have to admit, this is different this time. <laughs> yeah. Democracy different. is at stake. Yeah, yeah. It's different this time. Um, it, 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 I just want you to imagine what would happen. Trump has been making the case for four years that the election was stolen. And then he argued they're coming after him because of who he is. And it's not, you, there is no argument there. They, they are clearly coming after him for who he is. Uh, and that's uh, in Georgia, Florida, Washington, New York, anywhere and everywhere they can, they're bringing this guy in front of a courtroom. If after all that, he wins the election and the Democrats fail to seat him, my personal opinion is that what you saw on January 6th was nothing like what you would see if this happened. I think this country would erupt in a civil war and it would be uncontrollable. And I don't think people would stop until they topple the government. Democrats can, you know, you can, you can do as you please. You can give this a shot. But I guarantee you it will be the biggest mistake the Democrats could possibly ever make. Um, the Atlantic spoke apparently with the House Democrats, uh, and this is in uh, the, the, uh, uh, the Atlantic's own words, uh, they would not commit to certifying a Trump win. Uh, yeah, that would be a colossal disaster, said Adam Schiffless. Uh, we already had one horrendous January 6th. We don't need another. Well, you'd be getting one if they do this. Unbelievable, the hypocrisy here. <laughs> wow, Donald Trump should never be elected. After all, look what he tried to do. He tried to block the certification of a presidential candidate. And their solution is to block the election of a, an elected candidate. Um, unbelievable. You just you can't make this stuff up. 874-9390. The toll-free number is 800-529-5572. You can, uh, you can contact me by going to GaryNolan.com. Send me a message. It will pop up in studio. But uh, I, I don't know how you top that story. <laughs> where, where do you go from there? And, and just to put a little asterisk on the point, it appears the Biden administration put a Democrat in the Fulton County prosecutor's office to help them prosecute Donald Trump. Uh, the story's at Breitbart. If the Biden administration planted the operative... As the sources say, it would present a strong argument that the administration interfered in the 2024 presidential election. Uh, Breitbart News uh, granted the source anonymity to discuss the attorney's office for fear of retribution. The, source, uh, the sources uh, have direct knowledge of the environment at the district attorney's office, which they characterize as corrupt. 
Remember when I kept saying, well, why were why were they going to the White House? Why would the Fulton County prosecutor end up at the White House before charges were filed? And the same thing, by the way, happened in New York. I think it's pretty clear the Biden administration is orchestrating all of this. And you don't want to call that election interference? I don't know. I do. I uh, I just I just think for those of you who are progressives who are listening to this if you're a democrat and you're listening to this program and you're constantly fuming over things that I say doesn't this open your eyes just a little to the hypocrisy of the left Don't get me wrong it's not that the right is is without their you know their hypocrisy you're forgetting one thing. The end uh, justifies the means. Yep. That's the, that is the mentality of the left. The end justifies the means. Listen, we've been hearing a lot about the temperature the last couple of days. Here in Columbia, uh, down in Texas, across the south, <clears throat> they're saying we have all these records set. So I want to set a record straight. And I'll do that next. On the Gary Nolan Show. It's the Zimmer Radio Network. It's uh, 20 minutes after 9 o'clock on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, uh, suddenly, I'm, and it's, it's coming up on uh, news feeds everywhere that we have some record heat. Terrible. Uh, frankly, I'm, I'm depressed by all the heat. I, I didn't get stuck in the snow. I didn't have to, uh, you know, freeze my uh, canasta off getting uh, into the building. It's It's been terrible. I, I, I don't know how I could stand this. But here's a, a thing that was just, it was just on the national news talking about the weather in, in Texas. And they said that uh, the forecast uh, is uh, to reach 92 degrees in Dallas. And, oh... What, what a horrible thing. Dallas's highest February temperature, on record, by the way, is 96 degrees. That was set on the 25th of February, 1904. So we've survived for like 120 years since that record was set. How is this, how is this a threat to the world? How is this... You know, the, the man-made global warming threat of the world. Temperatures change. We have different kinds of weather, different times of year. I can remember reading stories, archived stories, about the Arctic and, and, uh, and how cold and warm it, it's been. Uh, on one, uh, one occasion, uh, they said it was uh, just the ice was melting everywhere and they were sailing into waters uh, that they had never been able to sail into before. And then a couple of years later, it was just all ice, and they couldn't get anywhere. It's it, Global climatic change has been around since the dawn of the planet. And having warm days or warm periods is not a sign of man-made global warming. It's Bravo Sierra. I mean, how many SUVs were there running around the country or around the world in 1904? It was just barely the dawn of the industrial age. How much CO2 have we put out since then? 
Um, I don't know. I just wanted to point out the hypocrisy and the lunacy of all this uh, because it, it really is crazy. Uh, we've got some Boeing news. We'll talk about that. There's a guy that used to work at Boeing who just will not fly on that new uh, airplane. It's 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 troublesome because he was up close and personal. He 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 worked for them. He was an executive with them. He's a pilot, and he literally will not fly, will not fly on those new Boeing uh, aircraft, like the one that's where the door fell off. <laughs> oh Lord, uh, let's see. Let me. Uh, by the way, Brian, I don't know if you saw the story, but apparently, uh, bigger abs are linked. To heart disease in men. I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, big abs could spell bad news for men's health. Body composition, which is typically defined as the amount of fat, bone, and muscle in the body, is a concept frequently used by health professionals in relation to heart health. Uh, but researchers at the University of California are challenging this. Um, apparently, if you've got uh, you know, large abs, abdominal muscles, uh, a large abdominal muscle area, you're at greater risk of heart disease. I'm figuring you and I are going to live forever. <laughs> I don't see where we're going to have a problem here at all. Uh, the president has decided he's going to go down to Texas. He's going to look at the border. I frankly think he's making a mistake. He's going to the wrong place. I'll explain that in a few minutes. In the meantime, uh, let me do this. I got uh, I got to keep my eye on uh, GaryNola.com. Uh, Sean said, uh, so if Trump wins the election but is then deemed ineligible, will the winner revert to Biden? I don't know for sure. I don't know that I've ever... Uh, encountered this. I don't think so. I think his vice president uh, gets sworn in. But I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, that might be a question for Dave Rowland. We'll throw it out his way. Uh, let's see. Gary is on. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, sir. A uh, couple quick points. Kind of hard to follow you because you kind of jumped around on me, but that's good because I, I like doing that. Uh, number one, the climate thing. I agree. Uh, who who decides what the exact correct temperature is? And you are correct in that the CO2 levels go up and down throughout time, whether we're here or not. And yeah. from an earlier, co uh, earlier comment you made... We're almost on the balance of not having enough CO2 for the plants to live. And without them, we're kind of all screwed. <laughs> yep. Uh, that's true. The sun hits the ocean, you got CO2. Uh, it's just yeah. fact of life. Uh, and we've had... The last thing I... Go ahead. The last thing I want to cover real quick, I want you to ask every Democrat you see, and I think everyone should do this, uh, why they hate this country. Because they are actively involved in trying to destroy it by not having borders. They want to bring our standard of living down to the third world country. And it's all about control, which it always is. But anyway, that's, uh, that's my question. You know, they're so rapidly trying to deteriorate what we have in this country. And I love this country, but they don't love it. Or else, why would they do this? 
Well, they would argue... Other than election. They would argue that uh, these people have a right to come here, and I don't disagree. People do have a right to come here. Uh, the problem is well, that they have perverted the methodology. So exactly. you don't come here to work. You come here to take advantage of the largesse uh, of taxpayer money that, that uh, the, the government forced them to give up. So you get here and you get free food, you get free clothes, you get free housing, free health care, free education. Well, why the hell wouldn't you come here? <laughs> well, that, that's very true. So why do we have all this crap? You know, at some point, you know, the other thing is you ask a Democrat, you know, it's nothing easier than being a Democrat because when you give other people's money away, it's not really that big a deal. Oh, it's easy to give away your money. I could give away your money right now if you, you know, if I could exactly. force you at gunpoint to give it to me. Uh, yep. But and that's what they do. Yep, that's what that's they do. Exactly right, Gary. Thank you Love for the call. Show. Thank you, sir. Glad yep. to have you on the Gary Nolan Show, uh, Gary. If Trump wins, there will be rioting in the streets, whether the Dems attempt to decertify the election or not. Trump's new slogan should be, make America safe again. Well, David, you're right. If Trump wins and he's sworn into office, the Democrats will riot. We saw this when he got sworn in the first time. Remember when they they uh, uh, burned uh, limousines and smashed windows and tore up Washington, D.C., and then they were running around with those pink hats can I call those hats what they call them uh, in print? Uh, no, you can't. But I can't. Uh, rest assured, all these protests were pretty much peaceful, just so you know. P pretty much uh, peaceful? Yeah, they were peaceful burnings, peaceful, you know, car destruction, that kind of thing. Who's that uh, talk show host from CNN, Larry uh, King? Yeah, Larry King. Uh-huh. You know, I don't think he thought it was peaceful when they, when they ignited his limousine. Well... They they were using it for another purpose to, to keep warm in the yes in the, uh huh and and that's why they were smashing the windows Correct. yes so they it. could get some heat from the buildings yeah but wouldn't that be global warming I guess it would to some degree yeah, yeah that doesn't <laughs> <laughs> so yeah they would be rioting we would be rioting uh, I, and I would join in the riot I'm I'm not a, a as everybody knows not a big Trump fan. But if he won the election and they didn't swear him in, uh, I I might just be a part of that part of that riot because it is uh, that is the final straw, the the end of the republic. If you can't trust elections, if you can't respect elections, you don't have a country. Nobody will vote because why bother? And I think that that the uh, Republicans would riot, and I would think it would be justified. I don't know. Do you think they, Do you think they would? I I think they would. Oh, All I'm right, sure listen. They would, um, yes. I have a um, couple of other uh, topics here that I want to get to before Jennifer Bukowski gets on and shares her uh, legal knowledge uh, about, about um, what's going on in Georgia. And as a defense attorney, uh, she would have quite a bit to say. But I want to talk about in vitro fertilization. Well, we'll do that next on the Gary Nolan Show. Zimmer Radio Network.
This is the Gary Nolan Show. It is 35 minutes after 9 o'clock. Glad to have you with us. Uh, we'll talk about in vitro fertilization. There's a case out of Georgia that's uh, uh, it's kind of interesting. We'll even chat about that with Senator Bill Eigel, who joins us. He is on board this morning, not because he is a candidate or not associated with any race. He's on because he's a state senator, and I want his opinion. Senator Eigel, welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, good, Gary. Glad to have glad to be here. Yeah, oh, glad to have you with us. Uh, there is a story in the Columbia, Missouri, and Bill would reimburse parents for private education. A uh, proposal by a Missouri lawmaker would establish a new tax credit program that, if approved, would put money back in the pockets of families who homeschool their children or enroll them in private schools. Where do you stand on this? Well, so I've always been a supporter of, of school choice for, for parents. You know, right now, if you look at our public schools, uh, the outcomes we're getting from our public schools are, are not great. Uh, less than half of our children are able to read, write, and do arithmetic uh, by the time they pass. They, uh, pass out of primary school or even secondary education. So uh, this uh, part of the idea behind school choice where parents have more choices than just the traditional public school is that it creates kind of an environment of competition uh, amongst more than just one school that generally leads to better outcomes. So uh, I've been supportive of that and I don't know what uh, the outlook is as far as these things reaching the finish line this year, but I think we're going to have even discussions this week on certain measures of school choice, whether that's educational savings account, whether it's expansion of charter schools. But I also want to point out that another big priority for me in the realm of education is eliminating the bureaucracy of the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. You know, we have a big problem in the state of federal dollars coming out of Washington, D.C., along with a bunch of requirements that are placed on our public schools that are forcing those public schools to teach our kids DEI, CRT, and a bunch of other things that a lot of parents disagree with. So if we really want to get better education outcomes, we've got to do both. I, I, we have to have something that uh, a system that has school choice mechanisms, but also uh, we got to have a governor out there that's going to go after one of the worst bureaucracies in Jefferson City and really defund DESE. Uh, that's what I've been talking about for a year. I think it's both sides of the same coin. Man, are the, <laughs> the union's going to be upset with you. Uh, <laughs> how much money does the state budget allocate to local school districts? Uh, right know? now it's about, it's a little over 30%. So a ton wow. of money uh, in, in our, uh, actually it's, it's, I think it's a, I think it's still under 35 percent, especially if you're including higher education. But it's still a big number. The Constitution says we have to spend at least a quarter of our money on uh, educational pursuits, and so we've made the monetary commitment that we need to make uh, to our schools. But ironically, no matter even in spite even in a world where uh, we're spending a record amount of money on education as a uh, as an industry our teachers are still amongst some of the lowest paid in the entire country. So the money is not getting to where it needs to go, and that's a result of this massive bureaucracy that we've got down in Jefferson City that I've been, I've been leading the fight against this bureaucracy, whether it's pushing back against all these bloated budget bills that Governor Parson has brought before the General Assembly or demanding more school choice or more accountability in DESE. We just haven't had that reformer in the top job uh, that's really going to go after these institutions. So uh, I think a lot of folks are angry around the state right now, and that's why we're having conversations about school choice. That's why we're having these conversations about uh, how are we going to defund DESE. But uh, it's there's a status quo, Gary, and you know this. There's a status quo down in Jefferson City that doesn't want to see things change. They want it, the, the powerful special interests down there want to continue to profit from all this money being spent, and they're really not interested in the concerns of everyday Missourians. Uh, David Lee Brush, uh, representing the Missouri Equity Education Partnership Action. 
uh, testified apparently against the bill. Uh, she said she opposes the bill because it doesn't provide transparency or accountability in how taxpayer uh, funds will be spent. Uh, well, I might argue that we don't have that with government schools either. Uh, what's your response to her? <laughs> well, yes, that, that's uh, certainly we have we really struggle that with government schools. But what about the accountability of of the parents making a decision? Uh, I mean, if the parents uh, make a decision that they want to send their child to one school over another, that sounds like great accountability to me. In fact, uh, when you pull your children out of public education, if you send them to uh, a, a private school, uh, you can take your child out, but you can't take the money out. I mean, in, in a way, in a in a very awkward way, you're incentivizing uh, with your tax even though they no longer have to teach your children anymore, uh, that the public schools not to want to have your child to come there. So it's a, uh, I, I'm all about accountability, but I think that empowering parents and giving them the ability to have more control over the education of their child and the tax dollars that support that child is, is the best form of accountability that we could provide. You and I are both pro-life, and uh, there, there is one area that seems uh, at least to me, uh, to be a bit troublesome. I, I'm not sure where I stand on this. Uh, lawmakers have been scrambling uh, for ways to protect Alabama's in vitro fertilization service. Uh, multiple providers pause uh, treatment uh, because of the uh, state's Supreme Court ruling that frozen embryos could be considered children under a new state law. Um, I don't have a problem with in vitro fertilization or, you know, uh, the whole process to help people reproduce that might not otherwise without this technology. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure I consider that life. I always kind of thought it was, you know, if it was in utero, it's life. Mm -hmm. But where do you stand on this? Is, is it is it a life? Yes, I, I consider it life. I believe that life begins at conception. I believe that all life is precious, and I believe that uh, these services uh, can move forward, but we have to understand that these are lives that we're creating and that we should defend them as such. So I know this is, as you know, we get into the pro-life uh, discussion, and, it, and it's uh, you have all these different examples that kind of call into question, just like we're doing now. Is, hey, does this count? Does that count? I have been very clear. I believe that life begins at conception. I'm going to do everything I can to protect life. Uh, from that moment forward, I think the miracle of life is worth uh, is worth fighting for. And I, I fear too much that in our society today, we're we're seeing too many parts of our society uh, that really don't value life, that that don't value uh, the, the the sanctity of life. I mean, I think that's why you know to connect this to some of the current events here in Missouri, you know, that's why we're seeing tragedies unfold like the like the shooting in Kansas City. I mean. You know, the, the, the leftists will say it's because we have too many firearms, but we have the same access to firearms in our suburban and rural areas that we have in our urban areas. But you're not seeing those kind of tragedies happen in the rural and suburban areas like you're seeing in Kansas City and St. Louis. And the reason is the leftist regimes in Kansas City and St. Louis have absolutely gotten to a place where they have pushed policies, implemented policies, and have created environments that don't value, don't value life. They don't think that life is precious. So we shouldn't be surprised when tragedies seem to consistently occur in those areas where they've broken down this social contract and the Amer the traditional American family. So, uh, you know, Gary, I'm, I'm always going to be a, a fan of life. I'm always going to defend life. I believe it begins at conception, and we're going to do what we can to defend it from that point. Well, here, and, and by the way, I don't disagree with you on the firearms uh, uh, argument. Uh, as you know, I host a, a show both local and national on gun control or on guns. 
but I, I do want to follow up because uh, with in vitro fertilization, they don't just fertilize one egg. Uh, they'll harvest eggs and, and fertilize them and then freeze them. So if it's life, the moment the sperm and the egg are together, even if it's not in utero, what do we do with all of those fertilized eggs? It's a tough question. It's a tough question. And, and all I can tell you, and I think we're going to explore this question more, I'm going to always come down on the side that these are lives that we're creating. Life begins at conception, and we should treat them with the dignity and respect that's deserved of any life in our state. So uh, for as, as far as this conversation, and now that it's, 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 we've seen this start to unfold in some other states, I expect that conversation to come here. Uh, I'll continue to be a fan of anything that places protections on any life beginning from conception. So uh, I, I've been very clear on that, and, and I, I understand that these are kind of awkward conversations, but that's not going to deter me from saying uh, that life begins at conception, and we owe it to each and every life to provide protection to that life and treat it with the dignity that it deserves. All right. Well, uh, my only uh, concern, of course, is that uh, they either have to give birth to all of those eggs uh, that are fertilized or freeze them uh, forever. Uh, I, I'm not sure what the solution is, uh, but uh, that was uh, just the point that I wanted to make. I'll discuss this with listeners a little later on, uh, but I want to uh, go uh, just one step further and ask you what you're hearing about your uh, your push to get rid of the personal property tax. Are you getting any feedback on that, or are, are people going yes, 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 or are they are you getting a lukewarm? Yes. Well, I tell you what, it, it, I'm, there's two different groups uh, that I hear from. One, uh, inside the Missouri Capitol, uh, from other lawmakers and from uh, insiders in the Missouri Capitol, they're lukewarm. Uh, they don't, they're not really concerned about this issue. They're terrified that we might actually move away from a, a revenue stream uh, that government is currently getting. But I tell you what, outside this bubble of Jefferson City, when I'm talking to actual Missourians all over the state, overwhelmingly positive. As it's been that way for years. You, you, you know that almost everywhere that I go and I talk about my plan to get rid of personal property tax, folks are excited, they're engaged, they understand that getting rid of personal property tax, getting rid of income tax, these are the things that are going to make Missouri uh, an economic powerhouse. So uh, the, the real question, the, the question is not whether or not the people would support this. The people overwhelmingly support this. The question is can we overcome the status quo down in Jefferson City to get something like this done? Uh, my guess is right now I, I'm seeing movement on uh, some personal property tax cut bills that would get rid of at least some of personal property tax, but not all the way. I've made a commitment, as you know, uh, in, the, in the possibility of a future Eigel administration that that would be a top priority for me to completely eliminate the personal property tax. So I think right now we stand a decent chance of getting at least some cut done on personal property tax. Could be maybe a, a 15 to 20 percent cut uh, of the overall total, but there's going to be more work to do, and that's the commitment I've made moving forward after this session. Senator Bill Eigel, thank you for spending some time with us today and look forward to having you on next week. Awesome. Thanks, Gary. Have a great morning. All right, Senator. Thank you. Glad to have you on with us. All right, so uh, Senator Eigel and I were talking about in vitro fertilization, uh, and I threw this out because it's a case that, uh, you know, is getting a lot of attention. Where do you stand on this? I, mean, I want you to think about this. If you fertilized, uh, you know, 10 or 15 eggs... And you say that it's a life the moment the sperm and the egg are united. What do you do with all those other eggs? Are you compelled to have those children? Where do you stand? 
Gary Nolan Show, Zimmer Radio Network. It's 9.52. Glad to have you with us. Facing a wave of shock and anger from the decision, legislators prepared separate proposals in the House and Senate that would seek to prevent fertilized eggs from being recognized as a human life or an unborn child under state law until it is implanted in a woman's uterus. Well, this is in Alabama where the justices ruled last week that three couples who had frozen embryos destroyed in a mishap at a storage facility could pursue wrongful death claims um, for their extra-uterine children. The court cited sweeping language that the Republican legislature and voters added to the Alabama Constitution in 2018, saying the state recognizes the rights of the unborn child. So, you've got all of these fertilized eggs, and if they're considered children, then you either have to keep them in that frozen state forever, or you have to have every one of those eggs that you fertilized uh, implanted, and they have to be born. This could leave uh, some women with, you know, 10, 15 kids. I don't have a problem with in vitro fertilization. Uh, I just, I'm just not sure that this, um, th- that this is actually a life until it's implanted in the uterus. I don't know. People have different views of this. I'm, I am not, um, you know, like cast in stone on this. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm really not sure. My, my leaning is that it, it would have to be in utero for me to consider it a life or alive. Uh, others may disagree. I'm not here to, you know, to uh, to lay down the law. This is what's right. That's what's uh, that's what's wrong. Uh, but I'm curious to see where you stand on this. Uh, 874-9390, the toll-free number 800-529-5572. Or you can go to GaryNolan.com, send me a message, and it will pop up right here in studio. Emmett is first in line down in Springfield. Emmett, good morning. How are you? Uh, good morning, Gary. I'm doing fine. Uh, the uh, uh, I'm not uh, speaking today about uh, embryos that's already been made, but you made the statement, what about uh, how they make several embryos at one time uh, to prepare for implantation? Well, you can freeze eggs, I believe, and just fertilize one at a time. And so, you know, the that process is very, very expensive, and that's why I think they do it all at once. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't know how much more it would cost to do one egg at a time. But go ahead. Uh, that does that, Gary. You, you, you're, you tell us all the time about dealing with root problems, and the root problem of immigration is that we have a welfare system. Get rid of the welfare system, same immigration would solve itself. I'm providing a solution that would solve the problem along the lines that you often promote. Okay, so 
cost be damned, one egg at a time. It is a life. I'm not disagreeing with you, Emmett. I, I you know, I think you may make well, a valid point. Uh, yeah. I, well, the the thing is, uh, I don't see how it would increase the cost that much. Out on the farm, when we talk about flushing eggs or flushing embryos, actually, I think uh, when you get one egg or a bunch of eggs, the that process would be the same. And if you just separate them and only fertilize one, keep the others frozen, I don't see how the cost would actually be that much greater. Well, I think the equipment that's necessary to, uh, I mean, those the egg and sperm are really tiny. It's, uh, I'm sure it's not an inexpensive venture, but your, your point is, a, your observation is a solution, one egg at a time. And I don't disagree with that. I think that would solve the problem. Emmett, thank you for the call. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Good point. Uh, Jim, good morning. Where do you stand on this? So we're on the tail end of this process. Uh, we have about a $65,000 loan um, that we're paying on every month that covered most of the process. So... We went through, made, got, got the embryos. Part of the process is the, the female has to get all these hormones to pump up her system to make as many eggs as possible. Then they fly somebody in special on a certain day to retrieve them. And then they try and, you know, take the male portion and, and get as many fertilized and good quality as they can. And then they, they, they freeze them. And then the process of, you know, putting them in later costs a lot. And so we have our two boys from that process. Um, I'm 46. My wife's 50. <laughs> We're most likely not going to be adding any more to that unless we win the lottery and find a surrogate or something. But, but uh, it costs us $400 a year to keep those frozen. And I, you know, I don't want to necessarily throw them away at this point because, you know, uh, like I said, we win the lottery. <laughs> so a, I wouldn't mind having a whole mess of kids, you know. But, but, uh, but four hundred dollars a year is not sustainable long term just to hold on to them. So what should I got about like fifteen seconds left? What so should happen I to think, those fertilized eggs? Yeah, I th I think it's not considered a life until it's in the woman. I think companies should be liable if they mess up and they throw something away, then you know, civil suit where we can sue for all the money it costs us to get those. And some people may not maybe pass the time clock. All right. So if it's in utero, it's alive. All right, Jim, thank you for the call. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Do you agree with Jim? Do you agree with Senator Eigel? Where do you come down on this? Gary Nolan, Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show.